On today's Exploring History podcast, we'll look at the inspiration, authority, and power of one book, the Bible. Welcome to Exploring History with Ray Notgrass, a production of Notgrass History. Now that students are returning to school activities, they will be dealing with many books, whether physical books or e-books. Many of these books claim to be the authoritative word in their fields. For the next few minutes, I'd like to talk about the book that is the authority for the most important subjects you will ever study, namely, your life and your relationship to God. The book I'm talking about is the Bible. Our first task in understanding and appreciating the Bible is to grasp who God is and the kind of God He is, and we learn this from Scripture. God is not the grotesque, cruel, fickle figments of man's imagination that many in the pagan world worshipped. The one true God is love. He is truth. He is just. And He has communicated what He wants humankind to know about Him and how He wants us to live. James 1 verse 17 says that with God there is no variation or shifting shadow. He does not leave us guessing about who He is and what He wants from us. In John 7 verse 28, Jesus says, He who sent me is true. God has always provided guidance for how He wants people to live. In the commandments He gave Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, in His call to Abraham, in the Law of Moses, in the words of the prophets, and in the documents of the New Testament, God has told His people what He expected of them. Because God inspired these messages, they are authoritative. The religion of God's people has always been based on an authoritative word from God. Jesus, in fact, is described as God's ultimate message, the Word that became flesh, as described in John 1 verse 14 and Hebrews 1 verses 1 and 2. The Bible of the early church was the Jewish scriptures, what we know as the Old Testament. Christianity stands or falls on who Jesus is, and Jesus recognized the authority of Scripture. If we are going to be followers of Jesus, we have to adopt His high and authoritative view of Scripture and seek to follow it as He did. Jesus often quoted from the Scriptures, as He did in His confrontation with Satan in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 10. That's a good example for us, by the way. Jesus knew that His life and ministry were the fulfillment of the Scriptures, as He said in Luke 24, verse 44. It was Jesus who said, The Scripture cannot be broken, John 10, 35. The apostles saw what happened in the early church as fulfilling the Scriptures, as Peter expressed in Acts chapter 2. The teaching of the apostles was authoritative for the first Christians, as read in Acts 2 verse 42. Apostles, including Matthew, John, and Paul, or people closely associated with apostles, such as Mark and Luke, wrote letters and other documents at different times and places in the first century. 
Bible scholars today generally believe that Mark was the first gospel written down, followed at some point by Matthew and Luke. John was written later in the first century. Luke wrote Acts at some point after writing the gospel account that bears his name. Paul wrote his letters during his years of ministry in the middle of the first century A.D. The other letters were also written during the first century. Revelation is usually dated in the mid-90s A.D., near the end of the first century. These documents apparently were copied and circulated individually for some time. The books of the New Testament are arranged in the order they are for good reason. The Gospel is about Jesus, so naturally the accounts of His ministry, death, and resurrection come first. Matthew is the first of these because of the strong connection it has with the Old Testament. Matthew contains about 50 quotations from or allusions to the Old Testament. The other Gospel accounts follow. Acts describes the beginning and first years of the church that took place after the ministry of Jesus. Paul's letters to churches are arranged from longest to shortest. Then come his letters to individuals. The other letters are next, and the New Testament concludes with Revelation, the last book written and the one that looks the most toward the future. The Bible is where we get authoritative information about Jesus. The human tendency is to try to create a Jesus that agrees with us, a Jesus that conforms to our beliefs, perhaps our wishes, about Him. Today, many politicians, military leaders, and philosophers try to remold Jesus to try to make Him agree with them, claiming that their beliefs are what Jesus really meant. But this approach does not recognize Jesus as Lord, which is what He said He is. Someone who reinterprets Jesus to fit himself is trying to make himself Lord and trying to make Jesus his personal tool. But Jesus is Lord of the universe, and we need to bow down to who he really is. We only know who he really is from the authoritative Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is inspired by God, literally, God-breathed. We need to let Scripture itself define what inspiration means. In the Bible, different writers had different styles and different emphases. Luke did research as part of his writing work, as he says in Luke chapter 1, verse 3. These aspects are all acceptable in the biblical definition of inspiration. Some people claim that the ideas of Scripture are inspired, but not the exact words. This is a proposition that Scripture itself does not support. Jesus said the words He spoke, not just the ideas, came from God. See John 14, verse 10. A person needs the right words to communicate the right ideas, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 12 and 13. God's Word is reliable because God is reliable. God cannot lie, Titus 1, verse 2. God is true, and His Word is infallible. It will not lead you astray. An unclear scripture, or one that was merely the opinions of men, would go against God's very nature. God's Word is as reliable as God is. Scripture presents itself as authoritative and inspired. 
in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, and 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21. The Bible commands people not to add to or take from its message. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 2, Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19. We understand the Bible to be the Word of God. Therefore, it is authoritative for our lives. We live in a time when the idea of authority, especially the idea of having a single authority, is greatly questioned. Some people claim that individuals have the right to live as they wish, to make their own rules, and to define their own truth. But this is neither right nor possible, nor is it in keeping with reality. We cannot create our own physics or mathematics or history. Truth is truth. In the same way, there is only one moral, spiritual, eternal truth, and that is given to us in the Word of God. Although the Bible was written by many authors over many centuries, it has an amazing consistency in its message. The efforts in the field of archaeology over many years have provided much support for the accuracy of Scripture. In fact, archaeology has never disproved anything in the Bible, but only confirmed it. I want to add here that the Bible must be correctly interpreted. We shouldn't try to make the Bible say anything other than what God is actually saying in it. The interpretation of Scripture is a subject worthy of careful study. But for now, let's just say that we need to interpret the Bible in the way that brings out God's intended message. But we also need to remember that our interpretation of the Bible is not what we should think of first about the Bible. What is most important to realize is that the Bible interprets us, always fairly and accurately. Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13 says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. People have spent their lives translating and copying the Bible so that others could have the chance to read it. Some have literally given their lives to make the Bible accessible to others. Not only do people work to share the Bible with others, but people work hard to have a Bible for themselves. When the Iron Curtain of Communism fell in Russia and Eastern Europe in the late 20th century, citizens of the newly free countries often stood in long lines to get one of the Bibles being made available by missionaries. One immigrant from Russia who came to the United States showed a friend his copy of Scripture. It was handwritten, painstakingly copied from the few printed editions that had been available in the former Soviet Union. The Bible also generates strong negative emotions. One of the most hated books in history has been the Bible. Oppressive, authoritative governments have worked hard to eliminate copies of the Bible from within their borders. Christians and communist border guards in the former Soviet Union and in China currently have played cat and mouse the Christians trying to smuggle Bibles into the country, and the guards trying to keep them out. Communist leaders know what the Bible means to people. 
These leaders have tried to keep it away from their citizens so those citizens would not have divided loyalties. This book has a powerful hold on people because it is God's holy word, precious, inspired, authoritative, challenging, hope-giving, and absolutely vital. The inspiration and authority of the Bible is one of the key doctrines of Christianity. Since the Bible is what it says it is, we have a responsibility to believe the Bible as God's Word and to follow it completely. One practical, convincing proof of the authority of the Word is the effect it has had on people's lives for literally thousands of years. The author of Psalm 119 could not praise the commandments of God enough. When King Josiah heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes and was convicted of the need to obey it, as told in 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 8-13. through 13. Many people in the first century were convicted when they heard the preaching of the apostolic message. Augustine, who was a well-educated man, said that he had never read words that affected him as did the words of Jesus, recorded in Matthew eleven twenty-eight: Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. No other book has brought such hope, joy, uplift, and rebuke. No other book has had the transforming effect in the lives of individuals and on the world. This effect is not just because of the words and ideas in the book, but because of the Spirit of the living God that empowers those words and introduces people to the mighty God and the loving Savior. Our response to the Word of God should be to read it carefully and faithfully and to conform our thinking and our lives to it. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Throughout history, many believers have not had access to Scripture, certainly not their own copies of it, and many could not read it if they did. We in the United States have our own copies of it, and many of us have multiple copies in our homes. We even have Bible apps for the phones that we spend so much time looking at. In Luke 12, verse 48, Jesus said, From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. We have been given much. What are we going to do with the opportunities we have? I can't adequately tell you what the Bible has meant to me in my life. I went to church for many years without reading the Bible seriously and regularly, really at all. When I finally looked into it, the message there challenged me in specific ways, and I had to decide whether I was going to obey it and follow it or not. Throughout my life, the Word of God many times has given me comfort and guidance and many times rebuke. I have learned about God and Jesus and the Christian life. Many verses have helped me through difficult times. When I am reading the Bible regularly in personal devotional times, I feel closer to God and believe that I am growing. When I let myself get too busy and fail to read it regularly, I start to feel as though I am drifting and floundering. Even after many years and reading the Bible through many times, I know my need to treasure God's Word in my heart. Passages that I have read many times take on new and deeper meaning when I read them again because of new experiences I have had. 
We all have some guide that we follow in life, some north star that directs our path. Maybe it's a simple phrase such as, live and let live, or look out for number one. Maybe it's a political outlook, or a sport or hobby around which your life revolves. I want to encourage you to make the Bible your guide. God's Word will bear fruit in your life as nothing else will. As God Himself said in Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. I'm Ray Notgrass. Thank you for exploring God's Word with me today. This has been Exploring History with Ray Notgrass, a production of Notgrass History. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, and please leave a rating and review so that we can reach more people with our episodes. If you want to learn about new homeschool resources and opportunities from Notgrass History, you can sign up for our email newsletter at exploringhistorypodcast.com. This program was produced by me, Titus Anderson. Thanks for listening.